0: Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker, and i here to talk trade deadline and uh, a few days prior. Justin, hello and welcome to, I guess this is like kind of the abbreviated trade deadline day because pretty much everything has already happened.
1: Yeah, trade week. Trade week. Trade week. Trade
0: deadline week. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Is that what we're going to like go with from now on? Trade deadline week?
1: I like it better, to be quite honest, and I wish more teams would like start pulling triggers. I mean, obviously for you and I it gives us uh you know, a little bit more to talk about during the week so yeah, we don't have and, to like
0: Yeah, it makes it a lot easier to break down some of these trades and then, you know, start another show. Uh, I know the last time that we talked it was February twenty seventh, so uh, that's it seems like forever ago in terms of how many trades have been made. Uh, I think the last trades that we talked about, we talked about the Jake McCabe trade with Toronto and Riley Stillman going to Buffalo, was our like we've refreshed our page right before we were logging off and we were we you know chimed in on it. Um, February twenty eighth comes, and holy smokes, there's a lot of moves since February twenty eighth. I, I I don't even want to count all the trades that have been made, but it's definitely dozens and. Uh, we're going to just jump right into it because we've got a lot to cover. We're, we're not going to cover some of these, uh, you know, an AHL player for a draft pick, which is, essentially, you know, hey, we're trying to shift around contracts. Uh, unless it has something to do with, you know, another trade that maybe happened, it will toss it in. But uh, if if we do talk, we'll we'll skim kind of over them. Uh, but February 28th, I mean, I think it brought about a trade that we have been talking about for Oh gosh, three years? Jesse Poyarvey? How long have we been talking about him being dealt?
1: Yeah, really. I mean like pre COVID time, so maybe about three years. Yeah, all right, honestly. all right,
0: yeah. True. The the uh the the way that we measure time now. Was it before COVID or after? Had I placed a mask <laughs> right. over my face or not by that point. Yeah, that's the uh yeah, Poyarve, I mean it's gosh, it's it's just about time. We all kind of see this and go. I mean thank god they finally did something cuz I mean he's been with the Edmonton Oilers since 1617 was the first year that he played for the Oilers. I mean that was his draft year and he played what 28 games as a rookie and has just never really found his place. Last year he had a decent year, you know, 14 goals, 36 points in 65 games. That's a that's a 45 to 50 point season. So he's got something there. What is going to be the difference between Edmonton and Carolina for Poirier?
1: Yeah, I think sometimes, I mean, one, it's just change of scenery, right? And uh, it's, two, it's, it's
0: definitely warmer. We can we can say that <laughs> yeah. without any doubt at all. Like we want to sound smart, it is warmer in Carolina than it is in Edmonton. Praise the Lord.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I, I think sometimes too with with a lot of these younger kids nowadays, literally, there's just a big mental you know hump that. Some some players just need to get over, right? And so a change of scenery will do that sort of thing for for. lot like of
0: Ron Francis no. will do that sort of thing for you.
1: Yes. Now You've got Cincinnati. a hump you
0: need to get over. Ron Dude. Ron Francis will become your new hump.
1: Will he ever? Now, the question is, again, you know, I I, I mean, right, you, you've you been playing with, you know, Dreisaitl and, uh, you know, McDavid for a while and, you know, Nugent Hopkins. Now, he's not going to get those types of centers. You know, I mean, Sebastian Ajo, yes, but – um, obviously I don't think he's going to be playing on a line with Sebastian Ajo to start. So um, you have to imagine Jordan Stahl, Koke Niemi, you know, whomever Paul Stasny he's playing with, right. These are the guys that are going to center him. And so is that enough to, you know, to spark a fire, right. Or is it just the change of scenery that's going to do it? But for, for a lot of these younger players, right. When they, they just, they struggle for so long and, then of course, you know, for the last few years, you just had this, this weight on your shoulder of like, is he going to get moved? Is he going to get moved? And so you can't really, sometimes it's just hard to focus on playing the game when you have that kind of distraction around. And so I think for, for Pooley right. It's, it'll be good to reset and go somewhere else where there's not a lot of pressure because let's face it, Carolina's not the same kind of hockey town as Edmonton is. And not only that too, but I think now for Edmonton, right, they get rid of a guy who basically scored five goals this season and, and, you know they get rid of that cap head because there's other moves that they want to make and we'll see that later on in the you know the week here um, they make those moves but essentially you know for for league minimum you can go out and find five goals right so for the Oilers they don't really I can, it doesn't I can hurt them goal.
0: do you think i could yeah, score five exactly. goals could i find my way to that i don't
1: know. if you if you put me as big and <laughs> slow as i am on a line with Leon Draisaitl i guarantee you i'll score five goals
0: i like to think i could at least
1: yeah exactly right I mean, I'd like to think that it would be hard to move either one of us in front of the net so we could just stand there and, you know, chip and, in a rebound here. And,
0: and there, here's, so. here's, a, so I like a couple things of this deal. I mean, I like, hey, I like anytime a guy gets a, uh, gets to go be a reclama- reclamation project somewhere. I think Carolina is a great place to do it. They have a good team. He's not going to have any expectations. They trade uh, Patrick Postola, who is a third round pick in 2019. Uh, so the, well, essentially, you know, He's a he's a mid level prospect. Uh, he Postola is not really a guy who does a whole lot else except for score goals. Uh, he's a he's a he's a sniper. That's his job, and he he's been doing that in uh, for Jokerit in the Liga, and that's he's played in Finland his entire career. So. You know, who knows? He may, let's see if he even comes over to the NHL. You know, we're, we're not sure. Uh, the Oilers, I don't really think they care too much. I think they just wanted to rid themselves of that $3 bucks. But perhaps having a guy who you have the signing rights to, who is just a goal scorer, man, maybe, uh, you know, you take a flyer on him and, and that's a nice guy who ends up playing alongside you know, one of your two guys who can pass the puck better than almost anybody in the world. And you see if he can become something, uh, which is more than you can say about Poyarvi, who was given every opportunity to play with them, couldn't score. Like you said, five goals. And I, I mean, I like to trade for both teams. For Carolina, they have the cap space and Poyarvi is, you know, it didn't really cost them anything other than that cap space. Uh, he is an RFA at the end of the year. So that is, I guess, the one one thing. And he's eligible for arbitration. But Carolina can just They can, hey, take us to arbitration. And if they don't like the the outcome, they can just let him walk. It's right. But if he's, hey, if he has a, if he gels really well and they can get him signed to a a deal where for a couple years, uh, less than $3 million would be my guess. But uh, if they can get him signed to a somewhat long, like short term deal, I think that would be ideal for them as well because. You know they are, they do have a couple other contracts coming up, like a Jesper Fast and uh, Derek Stepan. You know you've got some holes in your lineup up front. Uh, obviously Max is a UFA and Andre Kash as a UFA. They took flyers on them, so I think that taking a flyer on a guy who's 24 years old is a lot easier of a sell than it is when you know you go after someone who's 32. Um,
1: right. Okay. And, oh, and yeah. this too, fully finish, and so is Niambi, So maybe there's. Maybe there's a little uh, right. little, little yeah. buddy buddy there, so no. you know who knows. Maybe it works out.
0: I like it. Uh, Anaheim gets a third round pick for Henry Thrun to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Minnesota Wild, they go out and grab Marcus Johansson. I believe this is his. Is this his second time as a Minnesota Wild uh, for a third round pick? And this is the second time that he's been dealt at the deadline, uh, two years in a row. At the deadline, he has uh, boy. He has been he's been around. Uh, He played for the Washington Capitals for the first six seasons of his career, and then or seven seasons, and then he goes to the Devils for a couple years, gets traded to the Bruins at the deadline, and then he goes to the Buffalo Sabers, the Minnesota Wild, the Seattle Kraken, traded back to the Capitals at the deadline last year. Place for the Capitals actually had had a decent year playing third line minutes, uh, thirteen goals, fifteen assists in sixty games. Gets dealt to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, So, Minnesota kind of in this interesting spot where they're not necessarily doing anything huge. Um, They're going out and they're trying to, you know, just grab some depth pieces and see if that can help them get over the hump and hope that they get into the playoffs. And, you know, from there, can they, you know, maybe squeak in, win around? Uh, and and I think they're more or less hoping, hey, I think we might have a team that c- will be better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season because of how heavy they are.
1: Yeah, that's their MO, right? They're being heavy, hard to play against. I mean, outside of – and the funny thing is they got this, this all-world talent in Kaprizov, and the dude, I mean, he doesn't back down either, so that's just amazing. But uh, for me, I, I like this move for Minnesota just because, again, they're – in my opinion, a little weak down the center position and Marcus Johansson can both play on the wing and center. And so again, just adding a little bit more depth there at the center position is just going to be nothing but a good thing.
0: Yep. Um, The capitals were not done this day. They also grabbed Rasmus Sandin from the Leafs for Eric Gustafson and a 2023 first round pick that they got from Boston in the Dmitry Orlov trade. So the capitals kind of doing this, uh, you know, flipping Gustafson, who's a UFA. he, he definitely is a uh, you know a five six defenseman with some offensive upside to maybe you know quarterback a second power play or something and um, a good depth defenseman for the Leafs. Rasmus Sandin kind of becomes expendable after all the defensemen the Leafs brought in, and to get back a first round pick right now, uh, kind of out of the blue for for Sandin. I like the move for Toronto. I I really like the move for Washington. I like Sandin a lot. I feel like he's done everything to prove that he's an a NHL defenseman, and he just kind of just kept dropping down the lineup because the Leafs kept bringing in different guys. And I, I think that long term, Sandin's a nice uh, a nice gamble for the Caps.
1: Yeah, you said it right. Long term, and I think that's what you know Washington's looking at because really. You looked at their defense, and outside of Carlson, and, and at this point, we hadn't really seen Nick Jensen uh, resign. But I mean, they really didn't have any long-term right. options at defense, and so. And I think um, they
0: probably knew Jensen was close to signing at this point. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and but I mean, again, this is still just a great option because again, you don't want to necessarily, especially with with Ovi and Backstrom at the age that they are and stuff, you don't want to go and say, "Hey, we're just going to go full rebuild," right? So you try yeah, to bring in is, younger. This is pieces. like
0: a pure retool.
1: Right, exactly. If, if there's any team that, that needs it, it's this team. Uh, and they clearly know they're on the outside looking and They're likely not going to make the playoffs. Uh, and if they do, you know, gosh, they know they're not going to go deep. So, you know what, go and get some pieces, sell off some of your assets here. Um, so I love this move for both teams because, one, you know, Toronto, right, they they basically have no draft picks at all over the next few years. I mean, they've, they've dealt right. any draft picks of significant value. So to be able to get a first-round pick back, even though, again, it is going to be a very late first-round draft pick, but still, with right. this depth of prospect pool that we have in this draft, it's it's still going to be a good pick to have. And so, yes, they have a logjam of defensemen. So to be able to get a first-round pick and Washington gets well, a, a long-term option it's going to be
0: great. And to get a guy who, who has 38 points this season on defense. Right. I mean, he's having a fantastic year. And uh, I, I think the Leafs, uh, their second power play unit, can use a guy like Gustafson and to have a little bit of offense I, you know he he does a nice job replacing Sandine because Sandine does have that uh, a little bit of an offensive ability as well so I, I think you get him he's cheaper he's gonna walk at the end of the year he's a little bit older than than Sandine is what is he he's uh, 30 uh, Yep. doubtful the Leafs resign him he'll probably go and get a pretty nice deal in the offseason you know let's let's say he ends up with 45 points at the end of the year I mean, you're for a defenseman. You're probably getting paid between three and four million dollars just based off the point production. Uh, but yeah, and then of course getting that first round pick. I think a lot of people thought, you know, are the Leafs going to use this first round pick now and just flip it again and go out and grab someone else? Uh, that obviously has is not the case, unless some. Trade comes down through the pipeline that we don't know about yet. Sometimes that happens late, but I think it's probably, it's 5 p.m. right now. Uh, so the trade doors have been closed for a couple hours. So we'll see if more happens, but uh, it doesn't doesn't look like it. It looks like the Leafs are just, I mean, they might use that in they might not make that pick still. But for now, they're going to walk into the offseason with at least a first-round pick, which is, is, I think, a really shrewd move by... Uh, by Dubas too, knowing that, Hey, you know, that's, I might not be here, but I don't want to leave the cupboards bare. And you know what, if I am here, I definitely want that first round pick. Like right. I, there, There's some confidence in that pick. I think, I, I think if, if you have a lesser someone with less confidence, they're not keeping that pick they're going out and they're going to trade for anyone they can to be able to just bring in an, uh, another good body to give them to stock the cupboards even further. Um, but it's good that they're still thinking about the future there. Um, as well, I will just the the Leafs basically, they trade a third round pick to get Luke Shen and they get a third round pick in 2024 the following year to uh, get rid of Pierre Ingvall. Ingvall um, a 2.25 million, uh, just a little bit too much for what he provides and because of all the shifting around. Somebody had to go out, so Engvall is the guy who goes, the uh, the gazelle back there, and uh, then of course the Leafs bring in Luke Shen, who was drafted by the Leafs back in 2008, a minute ago, and uh, apparently he's very excited to be back with the Leafs.
1: Well, yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, you're coming from Vancouver, basically, and then you get to uh, come over to a team that, you know, my opinion, is, is going to be one of the, the favorites for the Cup here, so... Yeah, it's a it's a good move. I, I like Luke Shen. He brings a very defensive defensive game, and um, you know, again, the Leafs got you know now. I think between you know Gustason and and uh, you know Riley and and you know Geo, they got enough guys back there that can play some good offensive minutes. You know, yep. so now you get a guy who can give you some really solid defensive penalty kill minutes.
0: You've got your Jake McCabe. You've got Luke Shen now too. There, there's yep. two guys that you can. And and Brody, so you've got three guys who are really more defensive minded, and then yeah, you're like Augustusson. You've got uh, Lilligren, who's who's more of a two way guy, I would say, and then uh, yeah, Riley, Riley definitely is your your premier offensive defenseman. At least you know he was. He definitely. I mean, what was it? Two three years ago, he scored like nineteen goals or seventeen goals. Uh, yeah. The goals were down, <laughs> but he you know obviously is still a threat to produce offensively. I mean, I get it. You're you're kind of passing the puck off to a few other guys who are just better at scoring (laughs) because it's Nylander (laughs) and Marner and Matthews. And I, so I, I understand that. Um, but yes, those, all those moves by the Leafs three in a row there on the, on the 28th. Um, definitely. I mean, they, they changed half their defensive core in like two days, which is, which is very abnormal. Um, and I think you saw the effects of it, uh, Wednesday night, Against the Edmonton Oilers, the Leafs drop, a, you know, they lose 5-2 and they looked a little lost here and there. And um, Shen wasn't playing yet, but and then it was that Thursday night where everyone was in all all every single new player that they had acquired was in the lineup and they go and they, they beat Calgary 2-1. This is what I like about things happening before the deadline, too, is that you actually get to see some of these guys play. Um, as you're breaking the trades down at deadline, uh, but they they beat Calgary two one in what really was played like a playoff game, and I think it really showed. Like I'm sure Dubas was sitting up there like, yes, this is exactly why I got these guys because I wanted I want to see what's going to happen in these tight checking close games where let's face it, Calgary is in a position where they are desperate to win, and if you can walk into another team's barn in a the second night of a back-to-back after getting railed over the coals by the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid, going to Calgary and play better defensively than the Flames with your backup goaltender. Well, your uh, not just your backup goalie, what like your fourth-string goaltender? Um, that's that's a good sign. That's a sign that you're you probably made a a good decision. You know, at least in the in the short term, it looks that way. And uh, I think it'll take a little bit of time for them to fully gel and like have the offense clicking with them as well, but certainly a good sign early on.
1: Yeah. And let's face it. They're going to have to go through Tampa Bay, Boston, uh, in the playoffs to go far. And I mean, those are teams that have built a living on being tight checking.
0: It's unbelievable who you have to go through <laughs> <laughs> no. just to win a freaking first round. It's unbelievable. Uh, how good, like, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, uh, who is Vegas going to play in the first round? Well, right now Vegas might have to play Edmonton, <laughs> which is which is ridiculous. The the West is different because the West has this like everyone's just bunched really tightly. I mean, does Dallas want to play Winnipeg in the first round? No, absolutely not. Uh does Colorado want to play Minnesota? That might be the best matchup for any team. Colorado's going to luck out and get to play Minnesota, although maybe Minnesota just damages them so Badly in that first round, I don't know, but uh, it seems as though the West. Some of those paths to the end are a little easier than, especially that Atlantic is just ridiculous. But uh, we'll certainly see what happens. I mean, even in the Metro, what New Jersey, New the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers are going to go at it in the first round, like or you're yeah. going to have to play Carolina. What you know, it's uh, lots of top heavy teams, and I mean these teams as we're seeing. Are loading up, uh, the Edmonton Oilers trade for Matthias Eckholm, uh, $250,000 retained on, on Eckholm. That's a very small amount to be retained. That's interesting. Um, and a sixth-round pick for Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, and a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Uh, love, love this deal for the Oilers. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, listen, we know they've uh, they've had some deficiencies on defense, and that was a big question mark for them, right? So they had to make a move. And, and let's face it, I like Tyson Berry. Um, you know, I think he's he's a quality offensive defenseman. But really, I mean, he doesn't play the two-way game like, you know, Matthias Ekholm does. And we've seen in the past what he means to Nashville come playoff time and, 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 and during the regular season what he can bring. And, um, you know, Tyson Berry, right, he's going to bring the offense, and I think Nashville – uh, has lacked that, but you know where he you know falls in long term with that club is is to be seen. But uh, in the meantime, you know with that obviously they've got him under contract now, so they got a guy who is going to bring a great two way game and and bring a little bit more defensive prowess uh, on that back end, which I think they'll desperately need. And uh, because listen, they can they can go out and score six seven goals every single night. I don't think that's going to be a problem for Edmonton. It's it's when you get in those tight checking games like what we just talked about with the Leafs where they need that defenseman who can really shut down and lock it down and play, you know, 25 minutes a night against, you know, guys like, you know, um, gosh, in the West. I mean, you know, guys like Jack Eichel or, you know, whomever they have to play in the West.
0: Yeah, they. I mean, this really this trade is, it's a beautiful trade um, in terms of those two players moving because Eckholm helps the Oilers' defensive de- deficiencies. Barry helps the Predators' offensive deficiencies from the back end. It's a it's a pretty good swap. Uh, yep. The masterclass in trading was just shown by David Poyle because uh, he took his old buddy Ken Holland and squeezed a first round pick <laughs> and a fourth <laughs> round pick for yeah. You know, I know that Ekholm has a lot of value, uh, but man, Tyson Berry puts up he puts up lots of points. Uh, he's he's efficient in what he does. Like he's good at what he does, and, and he's younger. It, he yeah he's younger. He also has he only has two years left or like a year left on his deal after this. So you know hey if it works out great Nashville could re-sign Tyson Berry. If it doesn't, then that's fine and that works out with a with like moving into a potential rebuild. Um, you can flip Tyson Berry next year at the deadline, eat half of his deal, and you can you can go and get even more for Tyson Berry at the at the deadline next year. And Edmonton is locked into Matthias Ekholm for another three years after this. And there is no no telling when Matthias Ekholm, based on the way that he has played his entire career, that the 32-year-old Matthias Ekholm could, you know, when do you start to see the signs of decline in Ekholm? Which I, I think in some respects you have begun to see that a little bit already. Uh, I, I don't think to the point where it's he's he's not still a really good player. I don't think that he was who he was four years ago. Uh, But I, you know, I I think this is a great trade for Nashville. They're, they're rid of that contract. They're not competitive anyways. So man, to get a first round pick and to get somebody who can come in and help you and get more assets for him later. Just love the, love the trade. Um, what a, what a beauty send off for David Poyle as the GM of the predators. Um, let's go to the Minnesota wild. They grab Gustav Nyquist. Um, Half his salary retained, so he comes in at two point seven five. They give up a fifth round pick; that is Boston's fifth round pick, i.e., a sixth round pick for twenty twenty three to the Blue Jackets. And from what I understand, this is likely Nyquist is just a hope he makes it back for the playoffs.
1: Well, so far what I what I've heard is he's trending to make it back before the playoffs, right? But I, I think normally in in you know normal years, right. Gustav Nyquist, with his production, granted the injury is you know a big factor too, but I think you know a team like Columbus probably could have got a little bit more in the fifth round pick. But literally, it seemed like a couple of hours before this trade happened, uh, Gary Bettman basically released a statement stating, you know, if you trade for any guys that are basically going to be on IR all season and come back to the playoffs, uh, we're going to look into that pretty heavily, right? Um, so maybe you know that scared a few teams off that were you know inquiring about Nyquist and essentially. You know, you just had to take what you could get for a guy like that who's going to be, you know, free agent this off season. So, um, listen, I, I like Nyquist. He can provide a lot of skill. He still has wheels, you know, when he's healthy. He's still fast uh, at his age. I think, what, he's 33. Hey, he's got so, lots
0: of playoff experience, too. I, yeah, I mean,
1: exactly. And I, I think, too, again, you could pair him on that second line with, with Boldy, um, you know, or, you know, whomever on that third line, and I think he gives you a lot of options because he can slide up and down that lineup when he's healthy. Yep,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. And 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 I, that's that is hey the Minnesota's deficiency is their offense and so to add a guy who he's not heavy he's just quick he's good at what he does and if he's healthy he'll be a great addition if he's not you lost a fifth round pick and I mean <laughs> it's it's easy to back at this but two point seven five million dollars uh, <laughs> for right. for me that's uh, unfathomable for the owner of the Minnesota Wild. Um, he likely just shrugs that off. Uh, let's go to the biggest trade, probably of the entire deadline—the one we were waiting for and waiting for and waiting for. Uh, Patrick Kane sent to the New York Rangers, and uh, of course, we know that Arizona acquired him and eats half of his salary. Um, Arizona gets a third-round pick from the Rangers, but and they'll yeah, and they'll receive the better of the third-round pick between the Rangers of the Dallas third round pick uh, in 2025. The Blackhawks get Vili Sayarvi, uh, Andy Walensky, a second round pick that is conditional. It becomes a first if the Rangers make the Eastern Conference final and a 2025 fourth round pick. Uh, I I think that we were all a little surprised that there was no first involved and like without conditions, but uh, here we are this is, this is where we're at this it's a guaranteed second, maybe a first round pick. Uh, I would say that like it's it's not unlikely that it becomes a first round pick like you get they have a pretty good chance of that becoming a first round pick but uh, and the the Rangers get their man Kane goes to uh, gets to go back with his boyfriend and uh, all is good in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was watching the game last night and uh, you could you could see some of that old chemistry starting to take shape right? And and I and I gotta say, you know, for Patrick Kane, it's probably going to take a few a few games to to get really uh, back to it to because get listen, used to I'm,
0: playing with good players. Well, sorry, that's, not only that, that's but mean, I, that's mean. I,
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I uh. you know, what, I think there's going to be a little emotional um, carryover because listen, you played your whole entire life with one franchise and and been such an icon. I mean, he's going to get his number retired. He's he's a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, but. you know so overall you get to some familiarity but you go into a locker room where you really don't know anybody outside of the bread man and you have to kind of make sense you got to kind of figure out where you fit in that pecking order right I mean where are you going to sit all these things that go along with it so I think um, you know after a few games he'll he'll get comfortable again and I think you'll start to see that chemistry develop even more so with Panarin again um, because listen they're both still very very talented players Uh, Patrick Kane uh, you know, l- it literally had his pick of where he wanted to go. And, you know, I think the, the Blackhawks should be happy that they even got a second, let alone that, um, it could turn into a first because listen, he could have said, screw you guys, I'm staying here. And then you can't trade me for anything. That's right. True. Um, true. He or either. he could have just said, well, or New York could have said, well, fuck you. We're only giving you a fourth round pick. Right. And, uh, you know, then of course Chicago could have said, well, we're them. We're not trading him, but, sure. um, You know, again. So I think they both teams are going to make out well with this deal. Patrick Kane gets another shot at the cup. I think you know the Rangers' offense on paper just looks so flippin' dangerous now. So uh, this should be a lot of fun to watch, even though they got uh, beat up last night by Ottawa in that second half of the game. Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess the hope is that they can is that Kane can stay healthy. That's probably the only little flag, uh, right? Which also may be the reason that we're. I'm talking about a second-round pick and not a first-round pick. If he had been healthy all year and had been producing the way that he typically does, you know, if he was on another 92-point season pace, I think you're seeing a different deal. But because of the injury, the, the Rangers are owed a little bit of a, a cautionary condition on that pick.
1: Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm surprised too that you know, again, it, it says they have to make the Eastern Conference Finals, but there's no condition about him playing. You know, 50% of the games, no, right? Yeah, There's none no, of that in there, no. which is weird because if he gets hurt and the Rangers still make it and Kane does yep. zero in the playoffs, they get that first.
0: Yep. That's true. Um, I was just looking at the Rangers schedule. I, I wanted to see, oh, do the Rangers play the Blackhawks <laughs> at all, all oh, the yeah. rest of the year? They do not. Um, they play the Pittsburgh Penguins on March the 12th, March the 16th, and March the 18th. So three times in six days. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, you know and, what's
1: funny though? Last night was Patrick Kane night at the United Center, and he was not on the team anymore.
0: <laughs> oh shoot! They gave him a bobblehead doll or something.
1: The, they did the whole marketing oh, for every, and he was not. Uh, well,
0: whose idea was that?
1: Exactly, who's like, oh, let's do it the day before the trade deadline Why, for a yeah. guy who's a UFA?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, okay, I, I also notice here that uh, you know it shows you all the games and then what channel they're going to be on. Um, since when? was there hockey games on the Disney Channel. Say what? I'm looking at Tuesday, March the 14th on ESPN.com and the Rangers schedule and it shows ESPN and the Disney Channel for that game against the Washington Capitals. Oh, no. I'm confused. I'm confused. I I would, I mean, I don't watch the Disney Channel, so I guess I, I wouldn't have ever been watching it and why is there hockey on this channel um but yeah i'm confused disney channel is going to show a game against the washington capitals um uh, but anyways i'll digress on that we'll get back to trades um i i think that trade is a is a good one for for everyone involved it just needed to happen and, and i'm glad that it i'm glad it's over <laughs> um yep. you know a I, uh, I guess we're we're on to the trades that uh, that caused some tears uh Jonathan Quick dealt to the Columbus Blue Jackets for a conditional first-round pick and a third-round pick for Jonas Corposalo and Vladislav Gavrikov. Um, the conditions in that first, if the Kings don't qualify for the playoffs, Columbus will receive a second-round pick in 2023 and 2024. You know, I don't know. I don't know. What would I rather give up? Uh, a first One first-round pick or two second-round picks? Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I mean it's it's let's let's just include the next trade <laughs> with uh, with Jonathan Quick. Obviously, he uh, he was not happy being dealt to Columbus. He he basically came right out and said, "Yeah, I'm not playing for Columbus," uh, <laughs> and then he goes and gets dealt to the Las Vegas Golden the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, this is a, a you know a very interesting move here. Uh, to go and grab quick and then to flip them, I really like it. I feel like more teams should do it. Is hey, let's take an asset and and who who maybe you know he has a higher salary of five point eight million, and let's let's weaponize that. And I, I I really like this move by Columbus. I think it's really smart.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we know Corpusalo wasn't going to be around long term, and he was going to you know go sign somewhere else. And they get they get that first round pick for for Gabrikoff. Who was, you know, the big defensive prize this, this season? So, um, listen, I, I I like it for L.A. as far as you know. One, you get an upgrade in goal. Yes, you lose a franchise icon in Jonathan Quick, right? I mean, that was obviously you saw with, with Drew Dowdy and Kopitar coming out and saying uh, just plain sucks, right? You expected to finish your career with this guy, and
0: well, um, they would have if he didn't suck.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? He Mark, was just he
0: he's had he's had like today. three years to get his crap together and he just has not been good he was okay last year but he just has not been good and what do you want
1: yeah it, and you you got Corpusalo sitting staring you right in the face
0: who's a guy who's top 10 goalie 9-13. in the league since december the 8th i believe it is
1: right a 913 save percentage on just a shitty team in columbus that can't seem to stop the puck and i believe um, that
0: after after december his his save percentage is like uh, is a top 10 is like 9 two something well, he's been phenomenal, and the Kings have gotten terrible. Even Phoenix Copley, who's saved the Kings' season, if they had had Corpus Allo, statistically, uh, they, they'd probably be first in the Western Conference. They've been that yeah. good.
1: Very well could be, right? I mean, so, so yeah, I, I love this move from from an L.A. perspective, right? You get a good defensive piece to put on the left side, and you get a good goaltender to, to work with Phoenix, Phoenix Copley. Um, and then, of course, for Jonathan Quick, right? Obviously, you know he's just—it'd be like, I mean, you're on a potential Stanley Cup, you know, challenger, and then you got to go play for Arizona. Like we're all, you know, good players go to die and um,
0: the graveyard. Yeah,
1: yeah. Why would you want to go there? But um, yeah, I, I, I love the move for Vegas, though. If I look at it, because like, don't get me wrong, I think Logan Thompson has been great this year, and uh, Aiden Hill's been good. Uh, Not great, but good. But, um, you know, again, none of these guys really have playoff experience. And so when you have a guy like Jonathan Quick, so, you know, again, I'm not really sure, you know, what L.A. or what Las Vegas has in their mind as far as who's going to get that playoff start. I imagine it would be Logan Thompson. But, you know, if he falters just a little bit, you've got Jonathan Quick, who I think can still – you know has something to prove i think he, he would like to go out this season and you know at least go off in the playoffs oh, it's a, i mean at this what? point
0: i hope that the rain that the kings and the knights play each other in the playoffs and they go you know what quick oh, gosh you know you see these guys that gave up on you go out and destroy them and he just well, yeah, goes he out knows and, you
1: know, the book on all these guys
0: right from LA, so. <laughs> <laughs> well they know the book on him too i guess i don't know well, yeah, what, i don't I know I what the so. bigger advantage <laughs> is but uh, yeah I yeah, I was surprised that the return for quick was so small um from from Vegas really just a 7th round pick and Michael Hutchinson well nobody
1: had the money to uh yeah. to bring him over that needed a goaltender so yeah. that's why
0: Um okay so yeah that I mean I think that that kind of puts the Kings in a in a pretty great spot I think probably out of any team in the NHL that needed a go- a goalie it was the Kings and they get their guy, and hopefully Corpasello fits their system, and uh, that really could tip put the Kings over the top. They they may have just very subtly become the the like that favorite I, the, in the West. The, yeah, I guess like maybe that like maybe diamond in the rough. Like you know, maybe not everybody's going to pick them, but they they certainly could win the Western Conference and and be in the Stanley Cup Finals, like. I mean, that'd be crazy. It'd be such a quick turnaround from a team that was totally rebuilding, but uh, I I really like what they're doing. Um, the Avalanche get Lars Eller in a, a very avalanche move uh, for a second-round pick with the Capitals. Lars Eller just seems to be uh, the, uh, like the kind of guy that Colorado would just go sneakily bring in and watch Lars Eller play on their second line and just rip it up.
1: Boy, wouldn't they like that, right? I mean don't get me wrong I think JT Copper has been holding his own as the second line center but uh, come playoff time I don't know if he's the guy you want there and uh, I'm not sure if Lars is the guy I want there either but the difference is right Lars Eller comes in he's got a Stanley Cup pedigree too he's one he knows what it takes to compete and he was actually good come you know during that that run there for for Washington so maybe this is a sneaky good move for for Washington and they're going to make me you know eat my words on this one but I just Personally, for me, I, I was a little disappointed Washington. I, I think they need to go out and make a bigger splash. They, you mean uh, Colorado? Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Okay. Colorado needed a bigger splash at center. Uh, well, I mean, this in, is but, really
0: the only move that they made.
1: Right, from yeah. From a forward I, perspective. I, yeah, I mean, I was expecting a, uh, a bigger name to come in. and, and
0: He certainly and doesn't be, replace Nazem Kadri. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. <laughs> they, they just right.
0: haven't been able to do that, and that's, I think, you know they they, they had to do something. They had to bring in a, like a decent player who can who can play. Um, he's not a bad player. Do I think that he's going to move the needle a ton for them? No, but they needed some depth at that center position. It gives them that, and they're still really good, um, especially once Landis Landeskog is fully healthy. Um, so I mean, decent move by Colorado, but they they were. Compared to last year's deadline, very quiet. Very quiet. Uh, they make this trade for Lars Eller. The, the Detroit Red Wings get a first-round pick that is con- conditional, but uh, the conditions are not uh, are not here. I don't see them, but apparently a first-round pick that's conditional and a second-round pick that's Vancouver's for Philip Roenick and a fourth-round pick of Detroit's to Vancouver. Uh, you're a Red Wings fan. I mean... The Red Wings, obviously, after losing, getting blown out in those two games against Ottawa over the weekend, I think that kind of sealed the the fate of the Red Wings. They go and they deal a few guys. This is the first one of a couple. And uh, your thoughts on getting a first and a second for Philip Roenick? Yeah, I, I think
1: when you look at the conditions of that pick, right, because this is the Islanders pick, I think there were those conditions, so whether it would be uh, their own first-round pick if it's not in the top 12 or if it was going to be Dallas's, I think it was. Um, so the Islanders are going to send one of those, one of their two picks over to Vancouver, and Vancouver's essentially sending that pick to Detroit. So that's ah, okay. what the condition is. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Now, as far as I mean, look, I, they got like you said, they got slammed back to back games against Ottawa, and it was pretty much at that point, Eisenman said, you know what? Okay, we're uh, we're not ready yet. We're not ready to compete in the playoffs. So let's go ahead and get what we can get. Uh, you know, make some moves here. And look, I like Phil Peronik. He's he's a really good. I mean, you yeah, know, I mean second lo- second pairing defenseman. And
0: looks like he could well, end up with close to fifty points by the end of the year. I mean, that's that is no small feat for a defenseman.
1: Right. Exactly. But I think long term, he just wasn't in the game plan for Steve Eiserman, right? Because he doesn't really bring much. Uh, you know, as far as a defensive game, right? He's he's a little bit more offensively geared. Uh, at this point in his career. He hasn't, he struggled, you know, last few seasons when it comes to the defensive side of the game. But um, I think in Vancouver, right, you pair him with the right guy, um, you know, and they, they, they've they been looking for younger defensemen and you get a good first round pick, a second round pick out of this. And then for, if you're Detroit, right, there's got to be a long-term game plan as far as what you're going to do with that cap space, uh, that extra 4 million bucks you're saving. And so I think Steve Eiserman's probably got an idea of what he wants to do with it, whether it's you know, he maybe had some grand scheme to make some more moves at the deadline here that maybe just didn't happen, or maybe he's thinking, you know what, I want to go go after this guy in the offseason, so I need that extra cash.
0: Yeah, and maybe and, that's uh, what they use the picks for. You know, it, he may not use these picks. Um, right? they maybe used to bring in someone else. Um, what I do like is that, you know, hey, if you're in a spot to make the playoffs, yeah, you can't go sell these guys. But it was pretty obvious that they weren't gonna be able to keep up with these the, the high end teams. After they had done all these moves, and and particularly a few teams who they're competing with for a playoff spot as well, were bolstering their lineup. And I think he just went, There's no point in this. I, we are not going to win the Stanley Cup. And if I get first round picks for these guys, for Roenick, and we'll see later, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, if I can acquire picks and make those picks, I, I actually, I'm in the camp that he's going to make these picks, uh, that you're just going to, he's loading up the cupboards, loading up the cupboards. And, when these guys, when when the Red Wings in two or three years are securely in the playoffs, they're in these spots, they they don't, if they, you know, maybe they have these other picks that they'll go and make, but then they have these players that they drafted in 2023, in 2022, 2024, uh, to use as their team gets better, and they need those players on entry-level deals who are good players as 19, 20-year-olds, and... It is it is these moves where you're going to look back and go, holy crap, we dealt F- Philip Peronik for this player who's now making an impact, making eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year when they actually do have a cap uh, squeeze because they have good players that they have. Right, and
1: have. that's the thing, right? Steve Eiserman coming from Tampa knows what the value is, and those guys who are making league minimum or you know a million and a half bucks and can still produce right at, at a rate that's you know far above what their cap hit is. Yeah,
0: you so. need those ELC guys on your roster. It's just yep. uh, so many teams have rookies on their team because the the amount of money that they make in comparison to their production is is so worth it. Uh, so I really like that move. Uh, the Shane Gostas beer sent to the Carolina Hurricanes, so the, the Hurricanes loading up on a couple guys here. Uh, they get him for a third-round pick in 2026. Uh, I... I feel this is a great move. I think Shane Gossesbeer. This is like one of the slide under the radar kind of deals because I mean, here's a guy who can put up put up points. I think in this system, he'll be sheltered a little bit, sheltered really nicely, and to get him for a third round pick in three years, that's like you don't even like you're not even going to notice that pick. Right, <laughs> and, and Shane beer could make a big difference come playoff time.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I think, you know, again, uh, their their offense, their you know, their ability to score uh, offensively is really top-heavy. So uh, getting a guy like Shane Gosses who can go in and maybe, you know, play with your third or fourth lines because he's going to probably pair up on that third pairing. So he's going to get minutes with those third or fourth-line forward groups. And to be able to, you know, again, like I've always said, offense starts from the back end. And to be able to feed the puck up to those guys where guys like maybe Calvin Dehan and Brady Shea just aren't as good as Shane is. Yep. And then not only that, but then you add that value to what he can bring on the power play with that second unit. It's just invaluable. And like you said, for a third round pick, that's virtually, you know, uh, going to be, uh,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, unmemorable.
0: Right. Um, you can get that back. No problem. If yeah. you really want it back. Uh, th- let's go to uh, one of the bigger trades of the day, Arizona. Again, they finally trade Jacob tricking, Chickern- Chicken to Ottawa where he was seemingly very happy to go to, uh, It is for a 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 second-round pick. Both of those have conditions, and then a 2026 second-round pick. Uh, The conditions, the 2023 pick, if it's top-five protected, and if they do get the top-five, then it's a 2024 unprotected first-round pick. On the second-round pick, that is Washington's, if Ottawa makes – it to the conference finals in 2023, the pick becomes a 2024 first round top 10 protected. <laughs> if the pick is a top 10, the pick becomes Ottawa's 2025 first round unprotected. Uh, lots of crazy conditions. Probably none of them will happen. Uh, the only one that there maybe is a small chance would be a, that Ottawa somehow you know it gets into the top five because they barely miss the playoffs they win the lottery and they end up in the top five that would be the only seemingly logical one i don't see ottawa making the 2023 eastern conference final i don't think so um uh, i don't know that they'll make the playoffs still but uh, that's besides the point uh what do you think of this trade yeah i mean
1: listen i i think ottawa needed another defensive uh you know top four defenseman on this team you know because don't get me wrong i think shabbat's great uh Artem Zub, he's okay um but you know Jake Sanderson's still developing, so you really you hope that he's going to continue to develop. But um, and I think he will. I think he's going to be a a great top four player for them. But uh, you know again, I think they needed somebody else back there. Jacob Chicken, uh when healthy, is definitely it. Um, you know, yep. he was the the prize to to acquire, and he definitely. Uh, you know, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that Arizona didn't get as much as they had been holding out for. Oh, Pierre so Dorian
0: long. just. I mean, he held out and held out and held out. Remember earlier in the year, it was like, uh, going to go to Ottawa. And I don't think they were willing to give up two firsts uh, without these conditions. I mean, these conditions sure. are, I, I'm sure he was like, all right, fine, yeah, we don't If we make the Eastern Conference final, sure, you can have our first-round pick. <laughs> right. Now, that means things went real well with Jacob Chickern. Uh He knows that's not likely to happen, so I don't think he's too worried about it, but... Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, and the fact that Ottawa gave up no actual assets, they didn't give up a roster player. They didn't have to give up a prospect. So all the guys in their system remain where they are. Uh, Yeah, they give up a first-round pick, and in 2023 in this deep draft, that's a thing, but uh, it's also top-five protected. So I think he did his job overall, and he gets the only player, but definitely maybe one of the best players acquired here on on and around the deadline. So kudos to Ottawa. It finally happens. We finally don't have to talk about Chickering. There's a few of these deals where, like, I feel like we've been talking about them for years. The only one that didn't happen was Matt Dumba. Uh, Matt Dumba still. I mean, now he's going to become a free agent, but uh, we'll never. Either way, we'll never have to talk about Matt Dumba, Jacob Chickering becoming free or uh, <laughs> being traded. At least, so there's that. Uh, let's. Uh, we're gonna kind of scoot scoot right along here. Uh, we'll, we'll move past some of these deals that have happened uh, just for, for lesser players. I, I want to jump up to the Nashville Predators trading a uh, Michael Granlin for a second round pick to Pittsburgh with no salary retained. Uh, for my money, this is the worst deal of the day. And that's on the Pittsburgh Penguins because Michael Granlin, I don't think, does what they need. And my goodness. uh he is signed for another two years after this one at five million dollars. Uh he you know, he has got thirty-six points. I, I know he's playing okay for Nashville. I don't know that the role that he's gonna be put in in Pittsburgh is gonna make him worth five million dollars a year.
1: Yeah, that's that's the question mark, right? Where is he fit? And um, I mean look, I, I think that, you know, if you're you're Pittsburgh, you bring in a guy who who clearly was, you know, I don't want to say overproducing, but I think he produced a little bit more than what I expected him to produce in Nashville last year. He put up, I think, what, 64 points? Um, yeah, by, but, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, his best year in five, four years. And and really before that, he'd been producing a 30-point-esque season. Right.
1: But I think I, I think from a Pittsburgh standpoint, they you know what, they're hoping that he brings a little bit of that to their third line with, with Heinen and Jeff Carter. But I think long-term-wise, they're hoping that maybe he can slide in uh, in a top six role because Jason Zucker's obviously you know not going to get re-signed, I don't think unless he takes a big discount. Um, so I, I think long term he's a guy who I think they feel can slide in, um, you know, into that top six. So maybe he can play alongside Malcolm, develop Malcolm, develop a little bit of chemistry with Brian Russ too, and and then maybe you have a, a still a, a quality top six forward group. But because you know Michael Granley can still take faceoffs, he can still skate. So as long as he can do those things, I think playing with Malkin. Uh, you know, you could still find a way to produce. But, um, you know, again, in the short term on that third line, uh, that's it's an overpayment in my book. It'll just be, you know, wh- what we see out of the next couple of years from him.
0: Is should, whether or not. should have probably had Nashville retain some salary in that one, in, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: I would have too. Uh, but especially given up a second round pick for a guy that, you know, really nobody else was going <clears> to <throat> probably deal for at this point. So. Now,
0: I guess the issue with the retained salary, here's the problem. You can only, remember, you can only retain two players' salaries, uh, two active players' salaries. Now, they retained $250,000 on Matthias Ekholm's uh, contract, and that is through 2025-2026. So through that time, they can only retain one more player's salary uh, during the next four seasons, well, three seasons after this. So if they were to do that and retain salary on Grandland's, they wouldn't be able to retain any salary until 2025. Yeah, so, and I guess if uh, you're going through one.
1: a little bit of a rebuild retool, right, you need that, you that want flexibility. That open.
0: Yeah, you want that open at the deadline to be able to do that yep. if you need to. Uh, but, hey, kudos once again, David Poyle, uh, making other general managers look dumb, although I don't know that Ron Hextall needs a lot of help with that. Uh, <laughs> oops. Uh, we don't make friends on this show. Um, okay, the Boston Bruins. They uh, Here's your Red Wings again. They uh, acquire Tyler Bertuzzi at 50% salary retained, 2.375. They give up a first-round pick in 2024. It's top 10 protected, which I actually think is important because Boston might lose a big chunk of their team uh, moving into next year, at least Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci possibly, and, uh, and then also a, a fourth-round pick. Your thoughts on Tyler Bertuzzi saying bye-bye.
1: Yeah, it's bittersweet. I mean he's he's been a great soldier for the Red Wings. I think he, you know, he's one of those guys that every team loves to have because he's a little bit of sandpaper, he's a little bit of uh little bit of goofiness, right? But he can still he still has skill, right, to produce. So um, you know, I, I think long term maybe, you know, just the Red Wings thought, you know, okay, this is a guy that we're we're not willing or we don't maybe think that he's worth this kind of money because um, you know, we've, we've seen it with the injuries this year and we just don't think that's who he's going to be in over the next few years. So we're not willing to give him the seven, seven and a half million bucks, maybe he wanted. And so you, you look at this and you say, okay, we've got an opportunity here because I think, you know, again, um, you know, Boston acquiring Tyler Bertuzzi, this is a, a match made in heaven. In my opinion, I think he fits their system so, so well uh, again, because of what he brings, he can bring the skill uh, to be able to play with guys like, you know, Pasternak and uh, you know, you know, Patrice Bergeron, he can play with all these guys, uh, no problem, and keep up. But then he can also play a real hard nose, you know, grind it out kind of hockey that I think, you know, Boston likes to do, especially, you know, when you pair him with maybe, you know, maybe I don't know where they see him, if they see him maybe with, uh, you know, Charlie Coyle on that third line, but he can still bring something, I think, to, you know, wherever they put him in the lineup. And so for me, if you're the Red Wings, it's, again, bittersweet. But, you know, you get a first round pick for a guy who, you know, if you had asked me, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, what are you going to do with this guy? I would have said, "Well, shoot!" At this point, because of his injuries in production this year, you're not going to get a first rounder. And lo and behold, is. Steve Iserman, uh, yep. you don't you don't pick up the phone when Iserman calls you, or when you call Iserman back. Uh, you you don't do that because he's gonna he's gonna take a first rounder from you.
0: Yeah, well, and and hey, we're about to find out how good Bertuzzi actually is. I think I think that's the uh, he's got an opportunity. No, he's gonna he's gonna be on a big stage with Boston. He's it's likely that they're gonna be, you know, making a charge to the Stanley Cup Finals, and he's gonna be thrust right into it. So we'll see what kind of production he has. I mean, like you said, was Detroit willing to give him seven million bucks? No. Could this playoff run make teams willing to give him seven million dollars? Yes. Uh, we've seen it before. So Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, good luck until the second round. <laughs> That's because they're going to play the Leafs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let it hang. Uh, Jacob Voracek goes to the Arizona Coyotes to pass away, and a sixth round pick goes their way as well. And uh, John Gillies transfers the other way. This one's weird. I th- I thought that Voracek's contract, uh, you know, usually you have these ones where yeah, the cap hits eight point two, but uh, maybe he's only get he's getting paid peanuts. Um, he only is getting paid one point two five million base salary through the rest of this year. Uh, but he makes $7.5 million next year. From what I understand, uh, from what I've seen, he may not play at all ever again uh, in the NHL. So, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he comes back, tries to make a comeback next year in hopes that Arizona can deal him somewhere else. But uh, this this might might be purely a trade to just get them over that uh, that basement hump. Uh, of the cap, and and maybe they deal him the off season. I don't know, but uh, it it seemed I was surprised to see the salary uh, be so high next year. It seemed you know does Arizona want to pay somebody seven point five million dollars to be injured all year? Uh, that that doesn't seem to be the type of move that would typically be made there. But uh, they they continue to. I think it was something like what fifty seven percent of their uh, their actual cap hit is actual players playing, and the other what, 43% as just dead bodies. <laughs> Not literally right. dead bodies, but, you know, players who aren't actually playing or retained right.
1: salary. And if you're Columbus, though, on, on the flip side of this trade, too, um, uh, listen, I, I think, you know, going into next season, now you've got close to $20 million bucks in cap space. Um, you know, they still have a problem at that number one center position, so maybe they try to Go, get, a go get, get Goudreau a his main. Right. Yeah. Maybe Connor Bedard, right. If say you miss out on Connor Bedard, um, geez, well then, uh, yeah, then you definitely need that cap space to make a move.
0: Yep. So. Absolutely. Um, okay. We're going to skip ahead here. The Oilers got Nick Bukestad from the Arizona Coyotes, $450,000 retained. Uh, obviously just trying to try to keep them, keep them above the basement there. Uh, they give a third round pick to the Coyotes for Bukestad. I think that's a, um, an overpayment for Bukestad. I, don't like him at all. I think that I don't know how he's going to fit that Edmonton Oilers system because he's not very fast. Uh, and no, this was pure,
1: this was purely uh, one of those moves where I think they they have so much so much skilled players. They wanted to bring in some guys who can. Uh, you know, play that defensive game, and that's what Bukestad does. And he's a centerman, so why not?
0: Okay, uh, the Blackhawks get Anton Kudobin and a second-round pick from Dallas, purely a, a salary dump in that sense. Dobin hasn't really played in the last two years much, uh, and the Dallas Stars get Max Domi. Where do you see Domi fitting in with the Stars?
1: Yeah, that's that's the, the million-dollar question, right? But I, I mean, personally, I think. The great thing about Domi is he can play both the wing and the center position. So, um, really, I, I think he would be better suited on the wing, maybe next to a guy like Tyler, Tyler Sagan on that second line. Um, because, look, I, I think Mason Marchment was brought in to potentially be that that guy to, to play on the wing with Tyler Sagan and help him, you know, produce a little bit more. But it hasn't worked out. So,
0: to hey, me, I think he's having his best year since eighteen nineteen, where he had seventy two points. He's at forty nine points in sixty games. So yeah, Tyler Sagan's no joke, but, uh, Oh no, sorry. You know, I'm talking minute. about, I'm, I'm talking, uh, Max Domi.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Max Domi. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? Max Domi is one of those guys that I think produces when you give him time, right? You got to give him time on the ice. And so that's why I think when you pair him with a guy like Sagan, uh, you put him on maybe, you know, your second power play unit. Um, you know, I think he, he'll, he'll find a way to produce maybe not at that, that kind of rate, but I think, um, you know, he's going to provide... Yeah, he's not going to be playing first-line
0: minutes anymore.
1: Right, and worst-case scenario, you've got a guy who can, you know, pop in. You can throw him in your third-line center spot, um, and maybe he can play with a guy like Ty DeLandria or, um, you know, Mason Marchment there. So,
0: Okay. Uh, one of the weirder trades of the day, uh, Dylan McLaughlin and a seventh-round pick from the St. Louis Blues go to Detroit in exchange for Jacob Vrana... And 50% of that salary retained by Detroit. So he's a 2.625 cap hit for both teams. Um, Verana's got one more year left on his deal and he becomes a UFA. This one seems a little funny to me. The Blues dealt everybody away. And Verana, I know Verona just, you know, he gets out of the, the players' assistance program. And uh, I, I don't know. It just seems strange all the way around. You know, why, why is Detroit ditching on this guy right now? Ditching at at like his lowest possible place. And what is St. Louis's end in bringing him in? That's uh, I guess, I guess from St. Louis's perspective, they go, well, we can get a guy who maybe can score us 25 goals for 2.6 million bucks. And Detroit, for whatever reason, just kind of, they don't want him anymore.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Well, so there's, there's definitely got to be something happening behind the scenes, uh, you know, right now or maybe over the course of the season that's happened with Verana, especially because, well, you know, how much time he spent he, in the AHL as a player assistant program. player's
0: assistant. That's exactly it. Yeah. He, I mean, obviously they didn't want to deal with it anymore.
1: Yeah. And maybe that was it, right? They just didn't want to deal with the drama. Maybe there was, you know, again, there's there's always some things behind the scenes that we don't know about, especially with Eisman because he's so tight-lipped about a lot of things. Um, so, you know, from what I read, though, this move to to deal him and retain half the salary is actually cheaper than buying him out because apparently it was on the table. They were thinking about buying him out this off season uh, to let him walk. And so that of course, and 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 it's only
0: over one year as opposed to uh, the next over the next two years. Yeah. When you might be competitive at that point too.
1: Exactly. And and the other thing too, for St. Louis, right. They get a guy who could potentially come in and if, you know, he meshes well and there's no more drama with this guy, he can come in, he can produce on your second or third line uh, because I'd rather see him up with, you know, Robert Thomas and Casper Kapanen, you know, for example, but
0: um, I mean, he's um, like a if, poor man's Tarasenko is your, it's right. your kind of your vibe. Like he's, he's got that power forward esque bit to him, but, um,
1: yeah, if it works out well, you, you re-sign him. If it doesn't work out well, if he's not producing or if he's producing and you just don't see a, a fit, you know, in terms of salary, then you trade him and you can get a good return at the deadline.
0: Yep. Um, The New Jersey Devils, obviously they go out and get Timo Meyer, but I really like the move going for a fourth round pick for Curtis Lazar, uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. Lazar has not had a good year this year with the Canucks. He's not a big point guy. Um, but I think that he does make that bottom, that fourth line a little harder to play against. And, you know, he's responsible defensively, I guess, is, is what the end of it is for Lazar, uh, so i like that it's a small move for the devils but uh, for a fourth round pick it's a nice little move
1: yeah you get a guy with a uh, you know a couple years left at a million bucks so yep yeah that'll be a good acquisition for their fourth line
0: um we're going to skip ahead a little bit basically the pittsburgh penguins get nick benino back so we have the potential for benino 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 one more time <laughs> uh, salary retained by montreal and uh, you know, seventh round picks go places. Fifth round picks go places. But essentially, the Pittsburgh Penguins get Nick Benino. He's reunited. Uh, maybe you know, it's it's funny too because the the Penguins did just go out and uh, and get Michael Granlund. So I guess Benino is now their fourth line center. Or <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's where he'll slot in.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they do they do a lot of I mean a three way trade. To bring in a guy, <laughs> to bring in Nick Bonino, uh, I I would have never thought I would see the day. Uh, Vlad Nemestikov, after getting dealt to the San Jose Sharks, goes to the Winnipeg Jets for a fourth round pick. So that's a you know a nice little depth piece for the for the Jets. Uh, and from here, where you know we're gonna, maybe the biggest next biggest move, the the Buffalo Sabers go out and they grab Jordan Greenway from Minnesota for a second and a fifth round pick. What do you think about this trade?
1: Well, I think you know one. This was basically a, a. I think this was a piece that Minnesota had to get rid of because he's you know that three million bucks for the next couple seasons is going to hurt. Um, you know Greenwood just isn't producing. I think the way that Minnesota had hoped, um, he's going to be lower on their depth chart, probably a third, fourth line guy. And to them, they would rather bring in entry level guys than pay him three million bucks because that Ryan Suter, uh, you know, Parisi. Cap hit of seven plus million bucks each right. over the next two seasons. Uh, this helps alleviate some of that. So maybe you can go out and find a diamond in the rough, much like uh, you know a Max Domi this year, right, with Chicago. So maybe you can go out and acquire a guy who is a reclamation progress or a project, and you can get him on the cheap. So well, and and uh,
0: Buffalo doesn't really have a guy like Greenway. No, you know? exactly. And and so I I've, yes, three million dollars is is a a pretty penny to play for some to pay for someone who really is like a. Oh, you know what's he he put up? Twenty-seven points last year in sixty-two games. He's got seven points in forty-five games. Um, Maybe you're somewhere in between that. I mean, he generally he's been like right around thirty points. So let's go ahead and you know we'll we'll clip him in at thirty points. Uh, Not three million dollars is a is a pretty penny to pay for somebody who's putting up thirty points. But what else he brings? A good penalty killer can just blow guys up. Like you don't want to forget that he's on the ice when you're out there with him uh he's Jordan.
1: officially the biggest guy on on buffalo ah, he,
0: yes there you go yeah so i didn't even realize it. yeah you got
1: 10 pounds on tage thompson and they're both six foot six there so. we go there Ooh. we go
0: i and so i i like to move for buffalo it's it says that hey you know this he signed for multiple years after this so this isn't just a move for today it's a move for tomorrow uh but we're only four points out of the playoff. Like the Sabres are are in a good position to make the playoffs, uh unless Ottawa keeps playing as hot as they are, four in a row, seven, two, and one in their last ten, and they're tied with the Sabres now. But uh the Buffalo Sabres have a good shot at making the playoffs, and Greenway will be a player that they're very glad to have come uh, come playoff time. Which at the same time, you go, Wow, man, Minnesota's gonna miss Greenway when he when they're in the playoffs. Uh so there there is that. Um oh let's see what else do we have just a few more moves left um Oscar Sungfast goes to the Wild so there's your uh, I guess the reason they need to get rid of Greenway is is the the Wild bring in Oscar Sungfast trying to get some more goal scoring obviously over what Greenway brings I guess they figured they've already got like six players like Greenway in Minnesota is that the thought
1: <laughs> Yeah Sungfast brings size too so you're not getting a small guy either
0: That's so. true yeah that's true uh, but he can score goals a little more efficiently than than uh, Greenway can. Uh, Kulikov goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins from the Anaheim Ducks for a third round pick and Brock McGinn. Uh, so Pittsburgh just kind of you know cements that bottom pairing defense, which I think maybe more than a lot of teams they needed to do something like this. And Kulikov. Sure. I mean, uh, nobody's going to nobody's going to go partying in the streets because you got Kulikov. But there are definitely worse players to have in your bottoms, bottom pairing. Um. Oh, geez. What else do we have here? The last few moves. Uh, have we ever had brothers dealt for each other at the trade deadline?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> uh, Brett Ritchie dealt for Nick Ritchie. So Nick Ritchie goes to the Calgary Flames, Brett Ritchie heads to Arizona, um and then also Connor Mackey to Arizona, Troy Stecher to the Calgary Flames. Uh your thoughts on this deal?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, sometimes uh it's a little little bit of a bitch slap if you're uh, you know, Calgary, I think uh, you know, if you if you would have called up Nick Ritchie and said, "Hey, we're we're making a deal for you, but oh, sweet, I get to play with my brother and oh no, fuck you, we uh, we traded them for you." So, uh <laughs> That's a little bit of a bit a bitch slap, but what I like about this is I, I think Nick Ritchie is going to bring a little bit more production to their bottom six, which they desperately needed, and I like Troy Stetcher. He's a, he's a very good quality bottom pairing, number seven defenseman, mm-hmm. so for me, this is a guy who can add a little bit of depth to that defense. And um,
0: Yeah, we'll you know, see if uh, again, Nick Ritchie can play defense well enough for Daryl Sutter to actually use him.
1: Exactly. I know you know a little bit more about it. I've got a big question marks heading. about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean, he he brings playoff experience too, obviously with with the Ducks and uh, Boston. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see if he can fit in.
0: All right, and the final big move of the day: the Minnesota Wild bringing John Klingberg at fifty percent of salary, so three point five million for Andre Schuster, Nikita Nestorenko, and a fourth round pick. Uh, I think when the Ducks signed John Klingberg my guess is that they were hoping to uh to procure a first round pick at the deadline if they weren't gonna make the playoffs uh, instead they get uh, you know andre schuster is uh he's he's fine <laughs> uh, serviceable serviceable he's not really gonna you know he's just Kind of a depth piece. Uh, Nikita Nestorenko was a sixth round pick in 2019, and has been playing at Boston College, having a good year at Boston College, by the way. But had a few uh, good years, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, basically, uh, you know, a couple mid-level, low-level prospects and a fourth round pick for John Klingberg, who not that long ago put up some pretty good numbers in the NHL, uh, 67 points. I guess guess it was long ago. It was five years ago, but uh, 47 points last year, only 24 this year, really struggling defensively. And Minnesota has got to be pretty confident in themselves to say, we think we can bring this guy in and and make him a positive five on five type of player. And more importantly, can he improve our power play?
1: Yeah. I think that's the difference, right, right there. Because I think, you know, when you bring in John Kleenberg, he's obviously going to be on that third pairing, D. I, I don't think Klingberg's going to be the guy they're going to, you know, be like, all right, go shut down the other team's top offensive guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think for the Ducks, this was a situation where, you know, they statistically have been the worst defensive team in the, you know, the modern cap era. Um, so, you know, again, I don't think anybody was looking at this move and or looking at Kleenberg and expecting him to bring that defensive aspect of no, his game. No, and not Detroit, not
0: so. this year. This year, you know, plus minus whatever um for this year, but I mean last year playing on a very good defensive team in the Dallas Stars, he was a minus 28.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? That's that's a concern. I mean, he he is a defensive liability, but I do think given his, you know, you you saw what he did a few years ago when they made that run to the finals with with Dallas, what he can bring and if you're Minnesota, right, you don't have Really, outside of Spurgeon, you don't have a lot of defensemen who can. And Kalen Addison has been good, but I don't. You know, he's young, and so maybe you know you don't rely on him as much. But um, you know, come playoff time, but you know, again, Kleenberg gives you a guy who's got playoff experience who and I who I think can you know bring something to that second power play unit and and really help that that bottom six forward group there. You know, when you're on that third pairing.
0: Yeah, and you know Minnesota's power play is top ten in the league. They're they're twenty two point nine percent, but I still think Kleenberg will. Um, give a little bit of a, a nudge to that. so And yep. and come playoff time, you can never have too many defensemen. We all know that. But, Justin, that is it. I, I will refresh this page just in case <laughs> uh, because sometimes trades trickle in late, but it doesn't look like anything new has happened. So uh, trade deadline day, a bunch of seventh-round picks dealt, and John Klingberg. Uh, before that, a lot of moves were made, and the top, of the league got better and better. And the, the, the race for Connor Bedard is on.
1: Yep. Did you, I don't know if you watched it, but TSN, they did like a mock draft where they (laughs) had the ping pong balls.
0: Oh, no, uh, I didn't.
1: Yeah. And it was, it was stupid because they were like, Oh yeah, here are the percentages and you can't move up more than 10 spots, which are the rules. Right. right? But basically like the first eight, Eight or nine, uh, you know, draft picks for in the top sixteen, basically, or the top twelve. I'm sorry, basically stayed where they were. Right, nothing exciting happened, and the only only one team moved. That was Vancouver. They moved up from like six to number two, and then Columbus still sat pretty with Connor Bedard. And uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting though because you know, for example, I think um, you know, there's there's a lot of teams. I mean, given Chicago losing Patrick Kane, their icon, and who knows if tazel will resign, um, you know, losing those icons, they could use a guy like Connor Bedard, and basically. Uh, the book is a couple GMs have come out and said, basically if they get Conor Bedard. It's going to change the face of their franchise for the sure. next 15 years.
0: I mean, so. it's like getting met. Like think about what McDavid has done for Edmonton. What Matthews right. has done for Toronto. I It's a, uh, it's a, it's a complete game changer. It turns your entire organization into a place where players want to go. And yep. um, outside of Johnny Goudreau, no one wants to go there. So uh, <laughs> hopefully Johnny Goudreau is a great salesman. And he can convince people not to look at the standings when they're considering coming to Columbus because they do have whether they get Bedard or not. Let's say they get Bedard, cool, but they still have twenty million bucks in in cap space, like you said for next season. I mean, whether you have them or not, you still have a chance to go out and catch a big fish if uh, if the, you play your cards right. So Columbus right. is in a is in a good spot, but they. I would say that their cupboards aren't super full because they did, you know, they did trade quite a bit. I mean that that one year, think about how much that's killed them, uh, hanging on to Panarin, trading for Duchesne, hanging on to Bobrovsky. Like that year has come back to bite them in the ass. If they had, if they had not done what they did and gone all in on a season where you know, they, let's face it, they they weren't going to win the cup, uh, things could be very different in Columbus, but. I guess you got to take your shots where you, where you can, but that's the way I'll say hindsight. Yes. All right. Well, Justin, we made it through another trade deadline day. Uh, now we don't have any trades to talk about, so we'll actually have to talk about hockey.
1: Oh boy. Maybe we can go back to uh, an old school top 10.
0: Oh, let's do a top 10. Yes. Top 10 and talk <laughs> about hockey. That sounds good. Uh, I love it. to our listeners, thank you for joining us for a trade deadline day. Uh, we hope that you, yeah. Enjoy the new toys that your team got, or uh, you know, better yet, if your team got a lot of draft picks, then mark it on your calendar. Shoot, when is the NHL draft? NHL draft twenty twenty three. Let's see when it is. Mark your calendar for. Oh my gosh, I feel like Google always there. It is Wednesday the twenty eighth of June. So you've got what three months? Yep, three months and three weeks uh, to hope for the draft. So. Mark that on your calendar because if you have a lot of draft picks, you probably don't have much of a reason to watch the rest of the year. <laughs> like you're just oh, going to stop watching hockey. Oh, my team's Savage. bad. Actually, that's how a lot of people are. Um, but probably not people listening to our show. If you're, if you're deep into it like we are, then you're just going to pick a girlfriend team. And maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about girlfriend teams next show, too. Maybe that's our top. Who's, our, who's the top 10 girlfriend teams of the year? Let's do that. Ooh. Let's top girl, girlfriend teams next show. So that's what we'll do. Find us on Twitter at O.T. Hockey Talk. Justin, have a good night to our listeners. Enjoy whatever is left in your day, and we'll talk to you guys soon.